0: Good morning. Welcome to our worship service at St. James Lutheran Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I'm Pastor Glenn Schaefer, the pastor of this congregation. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Yes, we are still celebrating Easter. This is the seventh Sunday of Easter. It's the final Sunday of Easter as next Sunday we move into Pentecost and we'll be celebrating the festival of Pentecost. But today it's Easter. And so we are so thankful that you've joined us to worship our living Lord with us. Now, this past Thursday was also the festival of the Ascension of our Lord. And that is often a festival in the church that is kind of bypassed because it falls on a Thursday. So if you've had a chance to look at our worship service, you'll notice that today we're going to focus on Ascension Day. The prayers, the hymns, the scripture readings, they're all from the Day of Ascension. My sermon, though, well, that'll be focused on 1 Peter chapter 5, which is a lesson for the seventh Sunday of Easter. Well, the first reading that's appointed for Ascension Day is from Acts chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the the earth. Thanks be to God. The second reading is from Paul's letter to the Ephesian Christians, chapter 1. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, that is named not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he who put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the Holy Gospel, according to St. Luke, the 24th chapter, Glory to you, O Lord. Then Jesus said to them, You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. Then Jesus led them out as far as Bethany. And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him. And they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and we're continually in the temple blessing God this is the gospel of the lord praise to you o christ well grace mercy and peace be to you from god our father and our lord and savior jesus christ amen the text for this morning's message is from first peter chapter 5 beginning at verse 6 we read Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you, and he will make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be power forever and ever. Amen. This is our text. In the name of Jesus Christ, our ascended Lord and King, dear fellow worshipers of him. Harriet Lerner, in her book, Fear and Other Uninvited Guests, has gestured to be alive is to have an anxiety disorder. Well, let me state the obvious. We live in anxious times. We worry about our families. We worry about our country. We worry about our health. We worry about our well-being. Charlie Brown represents all of us to a degree when he says in one of the Peanuts cartoons, my anxieties have anxieties. Now, this is not to make light of anxiety, for anxiety is affecting the mental health of millions of people across this land and really around the world. A couple days ago, the National Review published an article with the headline, A Year's Worth of Suicide Attempts in the Last Four Weeks. And in this article, Dr. Mike Dubois-Blanc, head of trauma at John Muir Medical Center in the San Francisco area, notes we've never seen numbers like this in such a short period of time. I mean, we've seen a year's worth of suicide attempts in the last four weeks. Casey Hansen, who's been a nurse at this medical center for the past three decades, says, I've never seen so much intentional injury. It's upsetting. And then she notes that many of the attempts have been made by young adults. Yes, we live in anxious times, And to some degree, we're all affected by anxiety. And that's why I have been addressing the issue of anxiety repeatedly for the last couple months, both in my sermons and in my noontime devotions. And I will continue to address the matter of anxiety and the sources of our anxiety for months to come, because really the source of our anxiety is not going away. Whatever may be making us anxious. It's important for us to remember the words of St. Peter. And that's why I could not pass over this text this week. Because St. Peter's words need to be engraved into our mind and imprinted upon our heart. When he says, cast all your anxieties on him. Because he cares for you. He cares for you. This is not some sentimental, pious platitude. This is a present state of fact. God cares for you. We've spent the last three weeks or so looking at various texts from 1 Peter. You may recall that 1 Peter is writing to an audience of people, fellow brothers and sisters in the faith, who are experiencing all kinds of trials and tribulations. They're suffering because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And throughout the epistle, St. Peter is reminding them that God cares for them. Despite whatever their experience in life may be saying to them, despite what their own minds might be testifying about God, they may feel as though God has abandoned them, that he has forsaken them, but Peter is reminding them over and over again that no, God cares for you. And so in this epistle, in this short letter, Peter reminds them that God shows His care for them and that He has given them a new birth. They're reborn. They have a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And they have an inheritance given to them by God that will never perish, spoil, or fade. It's being guarded in heaven for them. And so God cares for them. He reminds them that God cares for them and that He has rescued them. He has redeemed them from sin. That Jesus Christ, His Son, came into this world to be their Redeemer. And they were saved from the consequences of sin, not with gold or silver, but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb. And He reminds them that God, who cares for them, called them out of darkness Spiritual darkness, where they at one time did not believe in Jesus Christ, one time did not bask in the sunshine of God's love through Jesus, but now they have been called out of that darkness into God's marvelous light. And now they live and they bask in the sunshine of God's love through Jesus Christ. Things that were once blind to them, spiritual truths about God and His love for them have now been revealed to them, and they live in God's grace and forgiveness daily. And he reminds them that this God who cares for them is building them up into a spiritual house, that they're interconnected with fellow believers, not only within their own area, but fellow believers all across the world. And as Peter speaks these words to his fellow Christians of his day, he speaks those words to us today. God cares for us. God has called you and me into a New relationship with Him. He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You and I live each and every day knowing that our sins are forgiven, not because of things that we have done, but because we've been purchased by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. And we who were once living in darkness have been called out of that darkness, and we live and we bask in the sunshine of God's love. That's true for us as it was true for the people to whom Peter was writing in his day. And you and I are connected to one another. Even at this time, through this video, we're being connected to one another. But more importantly, we're connected to one another through our common faith in Jesus Christ. And we can support one another. See, these are just some of the ways that Peter lifts up for the people, for you and me, to see that God cares for us. And so we can cast our anxieties on Him. Peter writes, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, and he will lift you up in due time. I just was talking about the people of Peter's day, and they were suffering under God's mighty hand. They were experiencing suffering and trials and tribulations of all kinds. They were suffering under God's mighty hand. And as a result, they were experiencing anxiety. Hence the reason, Peter says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. But let's be clear about one thing, and that is that anxiety is a gift. It's a gift from God. Not everything about anxiety is bad. I mean, anxiety is a basic human expression. It's even a healthy response to life. Anxiety is an automatic reaction that we have when we Realize that there's a threat, real or imagined, to our life or to our well-being. Anxiety is a natural reaction that we have for self-preservation. So, for example, if you're standing beside a fast-flowing river and it's rising, anxiety kicks in, the alarm bells go off, and you realize, I better get to higher ground. If you're out playing a round of golf and suddenly there's thunder and lightning storm coming upon you, anxiety kicks in, and you know that you need to find shelter very quickly. If you see some creepy-looking guy hanging around a local school, you're going to have your anxiety bells go off, and you might take, and you should take, the steps of alerting some authority as to this, this guy so they can check him out. Yes, just think about those times where your anxiety rose, where you... Felt threatened, real or perceived. And it was a healthy thing for you to act on that anxiety. Now, anxiety can be problematic, though, can't it? When we don't manage it well. Then anxiety can be paralyzing. It can be unproductive. It can be self-defeating. I mean, the word anxiety actually comes from a word that means choking. It means to cause pain by squeezing. And so, if intense or prolonged, anxiety has a way of strangling, have a strangling effect on us as it depletes our energy, it disturbs and disrupts our thinking, it divides our loyalties, and it has a self-defeating effect on our life. Peter, it has been pointed out, may have been suffering from an anxiety disorder. For he exhibits a number of symptoms that are associated with anxiety disorder throughout the Gospels. So, for example, one of the symptoms of anxiety disorder is the desire to isolate oneself and to withdraw. If you remember, when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus and he was having that transfiguring moment, so to speak, where he saw Christ in all of his glory and Moses and Elijah were there, Peter said, let's build three Shelters! Let's stay here! He wanted to isolate himself. He wanted to withdraw because he knew what terrible things awaited them in the valley. We also see that Peter exhibited the the symptom of impending doom. He could hear Jesus talking about Jesus having to suffer and then die. And this was something that just didn't fit in with Peter's understanding of what the Messiah should be or should do. And so you may recall he said to Jesus, I will never let this happen. I'm not going to let you die. And he tried to protect him. And Jesus had to say to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. Peter exhibited the symptom of just being overwhelmingly tired, even sleepy. Remember the time in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus went there to pray, just before he was arrested? He told Peter and the other two disciples, stay alert and pray. But do you remember what Peter did and what the other two disciples did? They fell asleep. Anxiety has a way of doing that, doesn't it? It makes us tired. It makes us sleepy. And we sleep much more than we ever have slept before. Peter also exhibits the symptom of panic. When Jesus is arrested, what does Peter do? He pulls out his sword and he cuts off the ear of the high priest's servant. And then when Jesus is arrested, Peter does something that he promised the Lord he'd never do. I think it was anxiety-induced. He denied his Lord three times. You can just see that each time as he was there amongst the crowd and people were kind of noticing him that He was becoming tense and probably had an increased heart rate and he was sweating and trembling. And then when confronted, you're one of his followers, aren't you? He said, no, I don't know. Because you see, anxiety tends to have us do things that we otherwise would not do. Peter, yes, may have suffered from an anxiety disorder, but it's the same Peter who was very familiar with his own anxieties who said to you and me, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. I think that was something that Peter learned for himself. For he cast his anxieties on his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and he found out that indeed Jesus cares for him. There are countless things that cause anxiety in us. In fact, For each of us, it might be something different. I mean, what causes me anxiety may not cause you anxiety, and what causes you anxiety may not cause me anxiety. But the reality is we all experience anxiety. But I do wonder whether or not we experience anxiety over something maybe we should experience anxiety over, a healthy anxiety, and that is our arch enemy. Eight years ago, I was very fortunate to go to South Africa and to go on a safari. In one of the outings, our Jeep broke down. Well, needless to say, one of the guys that was our guide said to all of us who were in the Jeep, he said, OK, guide, people, get out and stand as close to the side of the Jeep as you possibly can as we have to fix this wheel that is broken. And then he got his high-powered gun. And we stood there, anxious. Why? Because he had told us that there may have been a lion on the prowl. And we needed to be alert. We needed to be ready. As he was. With gun in hand. Well, Peter tells us in our text that there's a lion stalking us. He writes, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. You know, our anxiety alert button should be going off daily. It should be on high alert day by day because the devil is ever on the prowl. Do you believe that? Do you think about that? Are you on alert for that? Someone has said that the devil's most beautiful ruse is to convince us that he doesn't exist. Oh, he exists. You may not always see him. He's clever, like a lion. You may not see him, but he is on the prowl. And the devil, well, he harasses us, he tempts us, he tortures us, he grieves us, he terrifies us, he slanders us. He does all kinds of things to us. He even makes us wealthy in some cases, he makes us well in some cases, he gives us everything we want in some cases. All to destroy us. All to devour us. All to draw us away from Christ Jesus. Peter says, be alert for the devil... It's like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And so Peter calls for self-control. Be self-controlled. Be in control of your disposition. He calls for alertness. He says, stay awake. Be aware of the fact that the devil is on the prowl. Watch for those areas of your life where he might be working. He says, stand firm in the faith. In other words, entrench yourself in God's word and in God's power. Humble yourself before God and recognize that it's God who, has the, who is the one that is able to protect you from the evil one. And then resist the devil. Resist him. As James says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And he says, yes, cast all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. Even when you're going through those difficult times where the Lord's hand is heavy upon you. For even there he is with you. Peter continues, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. He will lift you up in due time. That's His promise to you and me. There is an ending. There is an ending to those things that cause us all kinds of anxiety. We will go through the valley. But note, we will go through it to the other side. There is light, Jesus Christ, the light, at the end of the tunnel and walking with us through the tunnel, no matter how dark it may seem. He will lift you up in due time. In verse 10, we read, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, he will restore you, and he will make you strong and firm and steadfast. To be a non anxious presence means to acknowledge that anxiety abides in us, it's always there. And as we pointed out earlier, anxiety can be good, it can also be problematic. But you see, we're not to let the anxiety become problematic. It's not to be the driver of our behavior. It's not to be the tyrant of our mind and our emotions. And so then the question is, how can we have this non-anxious presence? Well, Peter uses four verbs in verse 10 that I think are very illustrative and very helpful in helping us understand how we can be this non-anxious presence in our life and in the lives of others. He says that God will repair what is broken. God will fix that which is anchorless. God will strengthen that which is weak. And God will lay a foundation upon which we can build. You know, there are many ways that God does this. There's many ways that God repairs and fixes and strengthens and lays solid foundations. He does it through simple breathing techniques that we might learn He does it through regular exercise. He does it through good sleeping habits. He does it through eating well, having us have a good, healthy diet. God can help us and fix us and anchor us in life by us listening to good music, by turning off the news, and by, yes, even seeking professional help when we need it. And when we're right on the brink's edge and anxiety is overwhelming us and any other number of emotions is almost pushing us to the cliff, thankfully we have emergency hotlines that we can contact where God provides people to speak with us. He provides us with pastors. He provides us with fellow church members who can encourage us with the word and who will pray with us. He provides us with friends and family. Yes, these are just some of the ways that God ministers to us and helps us control the anxieties that we might be experiencing. And if I may just digress for a moment, I encourage you to be sensitive to the fact that there may be people around you who are dealing with all kinds of anxieties, worries, fears. And I encourage you to reach out to them, to give them a call on the phone, speak with them. Pray with them. Share a word of Scripture with them. Just listen to them. Of course, the best way for us to build a foundation, a foundation that deals with life's problems, is by nurturing our spiritual well-being. Unfortunately, that's often left out of the discussion when we talk about how to deal with anxiety, especially when you listen to some of the shows on the television. They'll talk about the things I mentioned earlier, the breathing techniques, eating well, sleeping well, listening to good music, turning off the TV, etc., etc., and all of those things are good, but very rarely do you hear people say, nurture your relationship with the Lord. Bill Pinnell has said, and listen closely to this, Bill Pinnell has said, if you've made a habit of communing with God when the sun is shining, you'll find it easier to sing in the rain. If you've made a habit of communing with God when the sun is shining, you'll find it easier to sing in the rain. Yes, my friends, my encouragement to you is to use your time to be in God's Word, to read it, to study it, to meditate upon it. For there in that word you encounter a God who loves you. Who sent his son to give his life for you. Who has promised you everlasting life. And that's why it's so important for us to recognize and celebrate the festival of Ascension Day. For there on Ascension Day we're reminded that we worship and are served by a victorious king who reigns and rules for all eternity. The ascension of our Lord to the glories of heaven assures us that our salvation is complete. Everything that was needed and necessary for us to go and be with our Lord for all eternity was accomplished when Jesus Christ lived on this earth and died on the cross and then rose from the dead and ascended to heaven. All that remains in some ways is for Christ to come back and take us to be in eternal glory. Jesus' ascension assures us that Jesus is in control. Control of our lives, control of this world. And oh, when we watch the news and when we experience things in our life, we may feel like God isn't in control, that we're certainly not in control. But the ascension of our Lord assures us that He is in control. In fact, we heard in the epistle lesson that I read a moment ago that all things have been placed under the feet of our Lord. And He works all things for the good of His church. And so even when our eyes and our experiences may be suggesting otherwise, that God is not in control, that he's abandoned us, God's word assures us that he rules and he reigns in heaven above, in the abyss below, and yes, even in this world. And as our ascended Lord... Well, he can be everywhere present. And he is. And he comes to us. And he breaks into the prisons in which we find ourselves. The prisons, the emotional prisons of anxiety and depression and worry and fear and grief. And the list goes on and on. And he breaks into those prisons. And I talked about that in my noontime devotions this past week. But he breaks into those prisons and he sits with us. And he sits sometimes in silence. Silence. And He simply listens, listens to you and me. He sometimes sits there and He prays for us. He intercedes in our behalf before the throne of His Heavenly Father. He sits with us and He speaks words to us as He brings to our remembrance Scripture passages and other other meaningful words that we've heard over the years. And He brings the healing balm of His Word into our lives and He strengthens us and He helps us heal the wounds that we need healed and as our ascended Lord he reminds us as he sits with us in our prisons that in him we're set free the prison cell is really open it's unlocked because he unlocked it it's just a matter of us trusting him and going through that door and following him living in his strength living in his grace knowing that in Him we are triumphant over all things. Peter says, The God of all grace has called you to eternal glory. He will lift us up in due time. Oh, we may go through a valley that goes on for many, many months and even years, but He will lift us up. He has called you and me to eternal glory. We will assent one day to be with our Lord. And so Peter today says to you and me, cast all your anxieties, whatever they are, cast them all on the Lord because He cares for you. And now, may the God of all grace who called you to His eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, may He restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen.